0: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome everybody at Baseball America's uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash mag. I'm John Manuel, along with J.J. Cooper, and we're talking again here in our uh, daily podcast at Baseball America. Find those at iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, wherever you download them, and that can be at baseballamerica.com as well. Uh, J.J., we got so caught up in the postseason that we had uh, forgotten, as we used to do in the past, not forgotten, but just didn't have the time, to go back and do our Top Ten Prospect podcast as we've done in the past. And We're getting caught up now, so we're going back over the American League East. Uh, You and hudson Belinsky went over the two organizations that he had done. White Sox Uh,
1: and Rays are knocked out. You can get those Monday and Tuesday of this week.
0: Those are all in your podcast queue. Download those. And we're going to talk Blue Jays today, JJ. um, Good day to talk about Canada today uh, on the Baseball America podcast and here on Facebook Live. I had the chance to do the Blue Jays. And one thing that stands out that our viewers and listeners, they are on the cover. One thing that stands out about it is that our Blue Jays top 10 got as much traffic as the Red Sox top 10 both of which got less traffic than the Yankees. There are a ton of Yankee fans, and the Yankees' farm system is robust right now. I-, I happen to think that both the Red Sox, especially at the top, and the Blue Jays' top tens are robust as well. But I think it also tells you this, I think something that fans south of the border are becoming more aware of. And I know talking to people in Seattle this year, they became aware of it. Well ah. so that's interesting. JJ will fix the clamp. I'll just keep talking. But one thing that we became aware of is just how many fans there are of the Blue Jays and how the Blue Jays' success the last two years has really ratcheted up the interest um, in Canada of, uh, in their fans. And you see it across the whole country, and that, not well, just in Toronto, but in Montreal when they play exhibition games there, and in Vancouver where they've played some exhibition games. And when the Blue Jays are in town in Seattle, Blue Jays fans take over Safeco Field to the extent of it's like it's 50-50 crowd or more. So the Blue Jays are back to being a big market club, JJ, like they were 20, 25 years ago. Will they keep being run as a big market club under Mark Shapiro as team president and Ross Atkins, as general manager, as they were under Alex Anthopoulos? That's a big question going forward. To me, signs point to no.
1: But no, that is the thing that does jump out to me as is probably the most notable thing is is. We now have a Blue Jays club, again, that is taking advantage of what they have. And, and what they have is they're the only team that basically can own a country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there's no one else. I mean, when you talk about literally from coast to coast, now obviously it's less population, but they don't really have any competition for that. And, and so, with that being the case, they can compete in the AL East in a way. We did the Rays podcast If you're the Rays, you look and you're like, man, I wish I had the situation in Toronto. Not even aspiring to the New York or the Boston, but if you had the situation that Toronto had, obviously it's a fascinating offseason for Toronto because we go into this offseason and there's a pretty good chance that the Blue Jays team that has just had the best run that a Blue Jays team has had in the past two decades, you have to go back to, clearly, no question, you have to go back to the 92-93 teams did the best run since then. Uh, I mean, I'll ask you, you just did their, you know, you just did their list. Does this team contend in 2017 or is it I'm not starting over, but is it essentially rebuilding?
0: Um, I think they're a little bit in between to be honest with you. I think they can contend, it depends on what they do this offseason. but you know, the identity of this team offensively has been right-handed power for the last 2-3 years and really longer than that. It was Batista, and then he was joined by Edwin Encarnacion. I'll go Edwin again. <laughs> that is my favorite trope in Major League Baseball. I just, love, I just love that this dude runs the bases like he's got a parrot on his arm. It's just so hilarious. Um, but those two guys, uh, the 30 home runs per year annually that, that Jose Batista has averaged over nine years, but he's on the wrong side of 35 and a free and, agent. And did so signs in 2016 Definitely. that maybe the
1: best years are behind for him.
0: I think it's fair that his best years are behind him. I think that's just, you know, that's. I think he would acknowledge that. Yeah. Acknowledge that, But d- can he still be a productive player going forward, and how much does he get paid? And where does I think he play? Right, yeah. Is he, can he, is he still capable of playing an outfield corner? It seems like he's not a good right fielder anymore. And is he primarily a DH? Can he play first base? Um, Edwin Encarnacion <laughs> seems to have shown that he can still play first base. He's not just a DH. But he certainly seems like he's more of an American League player. You'd rather have him play some first, some DH, than always be your first baseman. But that guy averaged 39 home runs a year. 39 home runs a year for five straight years, J.J., over that five-year period. Second in the major leagues. Only Chris Davis of the Orioles has hit more home runs in the last five years than anyone in in Cardassio. And so those two guys are free agents. And besides them, they still have Twilowitzki. He's obviously still have Josh Donaldson, the best player on this team. You still have Russell Martin, a right-handed power hitter. You still have Devin Travis at second base. If he's healthy, his best asset is right-handed power hitting. And his and then worst you look, asset
1: is staying healthy.
0: Yes. And then you look at their farm system, and Anthony Alford is probably their guy at the upper levels-ish, high-class A, headed to the A, who's got the most impact, in our opinion, I think in the industry's opinion. He's not ready for the major leagues, no. though, for 2017. No. He needs a lot of playing time. Um, in my mind, I think he still needs a bat. You know, he had a very difficult first three to four months of the season between the knee injury and the concussion that he had. That said, he finished with a flourish in August and September, and then he's been good in the fall league. And, uh, you know, the guy had a step to lose. He did lose it during the year, so it's like he's getting it back. Um, you know, he's an impact player with power speed tools, J.J. I mean, Anthony Alford, for most clubs, is an easy – not easy – is a strong number 1 prospect cuz he I know he didn't have a great year in the Florida State League but in the league context that wasn't bad you look at the injuries the physicality and he has had some success in the minor leagues i think he's a fairly robust number 1 and he's not their number 1
1: i, I would i would say he's a if you have a your number 1 that's not a bad thing but at the same time i, I do think because of you, you are talking about a guy now he moved he moved quickly after uh, to his credit after basically taking Two and a half years where he barely got any at-bats. Right. He acclimated very quickly. And because of that, he's much less behind than you would expect for a guy who essentially was a football player for multiple years.
0: Right. But 716 OPS in the Florida State League last year, in a bad year, he still was an above-average offensive player in a very difficult league, and he still and stole bases. that's with concussions, bases. that's with... Yeah, and a bad knee, and he still stole bases. I mean, you know, I had scouts tell me yeah, I had him as a 7-runner last year, I had him as a 6-runner this year, so he definitely lost a step. For me, that's a... It's not like a top 20, for, uh, you know, number one prospect. But if he's your number one prospect, you're not ashamed of him a being a number one prospect. Yeah, um, no he's question. He's an easy top
1: 100 guy, and that's... And but he's not their number one.
0: Right. And like, the Because this, this guy is. Because...
1: Vladdy Jr.
0: And this is an Instructional League photo. And the way you know that's from Instructional League isn't the empty seats. It's the fact that he doesn't have braces on. Because if you looked in the Appy League photos, we have a Vlad Guerrero Jr. He had braces because he's 17. So uh, this guy, he's one of our only number one prospects who's also a winger song. Uh, You know, this guy is only 17, 33 walks, 35 strikeouts, Uh, robust power in the rookie level Appalachian League. JG, he's going to be really hard to rank in the top 100 because it's hard to not be exuberant about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for me because I do think he's Edwin Encarnacion Part two. He's more like Edwin Encarnacion Jr. than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in terms of his skill set and offensive ability.
1: A guy that I think of also, and they're a little different, I think that his, for one, his body's better, Mm. but... I remember when we saw, when we went to the Appy League and we saw Miguel Sano. Soy outrage. We saw Miguel Sano. <laughs> we didn't see him do that. Yeah, but, yes. but we saw Miguel Sano, and you're talking about a guy who, even though he was very young for the league, his power stood out like he was a 22-year-old. Man. Right, right. That's what you also see, I, I do think, in some ways.
0: It's, a, it's a, in that same spectrum or phylum of elite prospects from day one. I agree. Elite
1: prospects from day one, especially international yeah. July 2 signees, who in Sano's case, he was in the top 100 before he ever played a game. Right. Which happens very rarely.
0: Yeah, about probably he's, he might be the only one. We might see it for Kevin Maiton this year.
1: Vlad, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is clearly, I think, a, a top 100 prospect right now for next year, having basically now had one season. He'll be ready for full season ball, it would appear, as an 18-year-old, which
0: is... Hard to believe. It's it's, hard, that's it's, an accomplishment. That's an accomplishment. Uh,
1: the questions are where he plays long term, and really the answer with that is is that it's not really something that you really are that concerned about. He's a third baseman now. I like how you kind of Edwin Encarnacion was a third baseman for the first half of his career. Yeah. Although you again with him, I think you know every player is different, but it is instructive. I do think with Edwin Encarnacion it helped him. He was a poor third baseman. Correct. Moving him to first base and saying don't worry so much about the defense. Really allowed him as a Blue Jay to become the guy that he is. Yep. Whereas he had some solid seasons in Cincinnati, but when he was in Cincinnati, you know, it was something where you also you 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 didn't know like it was you, the errors and his, his production offense production was solid. It wasn't spectacular.
0: Right. I mean, he hit 26 home runs I think in his best year there, but um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't he wasn't the player that he became in uh, in Toronto. Certainly, part of that was the ballpark. It's a home run ballpark. So Encarnacion certainly, I think it all mushroomed, but uh, to kind of snowballed, but, I to say. But these, I, I do think those are two instructive. Those are both middle-of-the-order, dynamic players who are middle-of-the-order players on uh, at his best last year. Sano so was on a near playoff team, and, and Encarnacion's been in the middle of the lineup on a playoff team the last two years. I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can be that kind of impactful player, if not better and that's the trend lines are good on the defense the body's gotten better since he signed the arm strength has improved it's a shorter arm stroke than it was in the outfield and that was immediate last fall blue jays officials told me you know his arm stroke is better from third base he was a 30 40 throw out outfield arm guy in the outfield but in the infield where he has to be quicker and where he's gotten some instruction he's better his arm has gotten better and it got better again this year too so i'm I'm encouraged by the strides he's made to be the big caveat for him. Even to me, a worst case is like a right-handed version like a Pedro Alvarez who was, when he kept his body in check, was a third baseman and led the National League in home runs one year. Even when he struck out too much, I think this guy will be better because he does control the strike zone better. But you do have to watch the body. He does not have the long, lean, live body that his old man had. No, He does I, have the high pockets.
1: You mentioned about Alfred, you know, and, and I want to jump around a little bit in this list because if jump you talk about a guy who who does have, who's a little closer to the big leagues, but and there's obviously, I don't think he's ready for it, but there could be an opportunity because you just said, they're gonna they're, there's going to be bats potentially departing. But Rowdy Tell has number six on mm-hmm. this list. Had a very good year in AA this year. Has, I, I would know, face, no, has faced skepticism... Kind of all the way up, partly because when Rowdy Tellez was drafted, when he signed, he was held back. And you say, why was he held back? He was too big. Right.
0: That's right. He was, And uh,
1: he, he himself will say, I had to to be a prospect.
0: And I, talk, I thought there were two scouts this year who both noted that, and one who said specifically he'd spoken to Rowdy Tellez about it um, before a game or after a game, and then Rowdy Tellez told him, I had to lose 25 or 30 pounds. I want to be a major leaguer. I think I'm good enough to be in the major leagues if I get in the right shape. And that scout was like, I just went back and put in my report. Premium makeup, wants it, knows he can do it. He's seen his peers. He's played the minor leagues, and he thinks, I'm as good or better than all these guys. But, especially, it was in the fall league last year. But he realized, to get where I want to go, I have to do A, B, and C. And that this year, that pro scout said, I saw that he did A, B, and C, and I, that, that's I what impressed a, him so much. In the AFL last year, a 20 And I still minute, have him six.
1: I had a 20-minute culinary conversation with Rowdy Tellez because yeah. he talked about how he had to learn how to— I mean, one of the things, again, we talk about the, the minor league life. One of the things he had to learn how to do was to cook right. because he said if he didn't learn how to cook, he wasn't going to be able to— essentially ingest the vegetables and the lean protein that he needed
0: I, it's so funny how this you know, my first top thirty JJ was the blue Jays <laughs> way back in the day when Jay Gibbons was in their farm system and I stuck Jay Gibbons at number ten and he got rule five goes back to the rule mm-hmm. five of course uh-huh. got rule five by the Orioles but my background on Jay Gibbons was like how his college career took off it his it was his girlfriend who told me this and she was a student who was the secretary at Cal State LA's baseball program. That's how I met her. And she told me, she I think it was actually the coach at Cal State LA, John Herbold, who told me about how his girlfriend was the one who got his diet in, in, in going, that he became like lean chicken and fish, became the only uh, proteins that he ate. I remember that I put that in his background. Now, Jay Gibbons later, I don't think he was a biogenesis. I do know he had a PED suspension. So might've been more than lean chicken and fish. But it is, it's just so funny how this comes around. And Jay Gibbons was a solid big league player. I think that Rowdy Tells is a little bit better than that. But he's divisive, JJ, because there's this question of just how much bat speed does he have? How,
1: sorry. How quickly does yeah. he go through? How quickly can he bring the bat through the zone? Yeah. And it's funny. I'm, I'm working on the Astros' top ten, and we're talking A.J. Reed again. They're, and,
0: and they're not too dissimilar.
1: And, and it, again, it is something where you're talking about guys who are extremely productive in the minor leagues but there is a certain amount of you have to basically at some point throw him in the ocean right and if he swims he's an everyday regular first baseman and if he drowns you keep looking for another first base if he
0: drowns you send him back to A and he becomes and he has a, a long career making that's right
1: 50,000 a year
0: so basically to me uh, the comp I've always used the last couple of years is the Lucas Duda line uh, Lucas Duda to me That's was the, the border of a first division uh regular at first base. Oh, have the
1: Mendoza line? We have the Duda the, line. Du,
0: that Duda guy. This guy, but but Lucas Duda hit 30 home runs for a pennant winner one year. He had other flaws. The defense wasn't great. It was exposed in last year's World Series. He wasn't he's not mobile. He when you're not when you're a big guy and you're not a great athlete, you get hurt easier. All these things have happened to Lucas Duda, but at his peak, he was a first division first baseman for two years. Yeah, I was going to say, it's about a two-year peak. I think Rowdy Tellez is a better athlete, and I will also just throw out a shout-out again. I threw it out in the magazine. I'll throw a shout-out to Dylan Carlson's dad. I forget his name, but Coach Carlson at Elk Grove High. Just the sick stream of talent oh, out of the Sacramento insane. area, but specifically Elk Grove. Derek Hill, Rowdy Tellez, Dylan Carlson, J.D. Davis. Uh, there's one other. I'm um, uh, Dom Nunez, catcher in the Rockies organization. And I'm leaving somebody out. But Sacramento, you know, Matt Manning's a Sacramento guy. Sacramento repping and presenting um, uh, in, in amateur baseball, in the draft and in the minor leagues of late. It's pretty impressive. But
1: the, the, the other thing with that, though, that I would ask, though, is is that what's tough with that is is the Blue Jays may need a first baseman this year.
0: Yeah, I think the Rowdy Tellez is ready to help them offensively. He only struck out 91 times in Double A, hit over 290 with power. Um, I think he's ready to help them in the big leagues defensively, and he's a left-handed bat, which I mean, offensively, which helps them. I think the defense is dicey, and that's and the a problem. Other, he's gotten better, but he's not an asset defensively, JJ. That's and for sure. The
1: other problem is is that when you have a team, it is more difficult when you have a team that is, again, if they're looking at it as they're in contention, then you're probably not comfortable starting out saying Rowdy Taylor is our guy, especially right. coming off of a double-A. But if he's not ready, if they go out and sign someone else.
0: Right. Or bring back Edwin Encarnacion. Or bring back.
1: Then you're talking about all of a sudden, again, these things open up. But you're then talking about he may be blocked for multiple years.
0: Right. So, I mean, uh, he's not it's, a guy who can play tricky, the outfield. It's tricky to be a first baseman. It's tricky to rock around. I mean, he's just uh, – he, he's got – but the, but t- to me, the other tricky prospect in their top ten, JJ, is Connor Green. Now, I'm bullish on Connor Green. I still have a number four. He had about as bad of a year as a number four prospect as you could have because the walk rate just never got better all year. And he's a guy who I think, here's a guy, to honor Harry Carey briefly after the Cubs, he had a really tough year this year after a breakthrough year in 2015. And he's ranked there based pretty much on projection and the fact that he's a starter who's 92 to 97, touching 98, pretty much every time out. But every time out, He's flashing you a premium fastball, and I think that he has the athleticism to command it. It sounds like there was a lot of tinkering with his delivery, with his between-starts routine, that the he did not react particularly well to the new Blue Jays regime and some of the changes they tried to make it. He did not get on a consistent routine all year. And there's some questions from scouts outside the organization of how seriously does this guy want it? Does he want it like Rowdy Tellez wants it? because he does have his own IMDb page. He's from Samo High, Santa Monica High in Southern California. He's acted a little bit. How serious is he about baseball? Those are the questions that scouts have because they see him flash an above-average breaking ball. They see him flash a really good changeup. He's been better against left-handed hitters than right-handed hitters the last two years, and they see this premium fastball. Can he bring all those things together? I think he has a higher ceiling than Sean Reed Foley, J.J., but Sean Reed Foley's made the strides this past year to look like a pitcher Whereas Connor Green, in a lot of ways, is still a thrower. Right. I, I don't
1: think you could put him ahead of... His stuff is not so many leaps and bounds beyond Sean right. Foley's to where you could say, let's put him a, ahead of him. I, I think a four is still a very aggressive ranking. Mm-hmm. But as you said, you also are talking about a guy who... There are many paths for him to a successful big league career. Because when you have a fastball like that, right. even, even if he doesn't put it all together... He still has a, a pretty useful ability to be uh, a power arm no question. back-end guy or reliever, and he's still young enough that you say, no, there's a pretty good shot for him to you know, still put it together.
0: Pretty good seventh-round pick from that 2013 draft that the Blue Jays had that also included Kendall Graveman in the eighth round, who's had a nice big league career. So that was a tough year for pitchers in the draft and the Blue Jays. Terrible year.
1: You're kind. Terrible year for pitchers. It was a terrible year
0: for pitchers in the draft. The Blue Jays had a good draft that year. I will look it up. But let's wrap the Facebook Live portion of this because we're over 20 minutes with a couple of the questions. Okay. Yeah, go Um, ahead. We do have, how about Max Pentecost? Thoughts on Max Pentecost from Ray Ricker. You know, Ray, Max Pentecost has a good track record as a hitter. He does not have a great track record as a catcher, as a professional especially, as in... He never plays catcher, and that's the real problem. I think it was one game. Not inch. this year. Maybe in uh, thought, short season ball, but I'm pretty sure he didn't play any this I year. I think he
1: had – I could be wrong, but I believe he had one game at the very end. or was it th- maybe At like,
0: the 50-day mark, perhaps.
1: You know, but I mean shoulder multiple, – multiple shoulder injuries um, essentially was a DH this year can hit. Right. But if you are <laughs> – if he's not a catcher, I, if he's not a catcher, where does he end up?
0: Well, that's a, pr- a question that you know he did not – it's all DH in our okay. game logs. Um, to me, he ran well enough in the past, and he still runs well enough, that you can give left field a try. doesn't mean he can do it, but I think he's athletic enough it's to give it a, a try. I think it's a possibility. <clears throat> and he could also move to first base. I think he could definitely play some first base, where arm strength won't matter much. But I think you know, we've had all these discussions with pitchers who get hurt. Jamison Tyone, Dylan Bundy, these guys who missed a lot of time, it makes us a little bit more optimistic for the likes of Hunter Harvey. And there was somebody last issue. Kyle Zimmer. Kyle Zimmer. So it makes us. We're counting
1: ha- on 2017's the year that Kyle's going to put it together and be healthy. But as we said in 16 and 15, right? And 14 and 13.
0: That's right. So those guys have more demands on their arm than Max Pentecost. But I just don't think you can count on Max Pentecost as a catcher. To me. If he develops into a catcher, that's a great bonus for the long term. But I think you have to plan on him being a corner bat, and then you're putting a little that puts a little stress on his offensive profile, and that's why I didn't put him in the top ten They're, And I, I don't think it hurts. And I think it makes it easier for that organization to not think of him as a catcher when A the guys who drafted him are no longer there, whether it's Double mm-hmm. A or Brian Parker, their scouting director. They've changed scouting directors. They've changed front of farm directors. They're going to come at Max Pentecost. They're not invested in him as a catcher. They're not the guys who chose Max Pentecost over Trey Turner when they made that pick because that was where the Blue Jays were. And I know that might be a little uh, uh, suffering for some Blue Jays fans. But you could look at him fresh, and you could just evaluate him as a bat and maybe stick him in left field and see what happens. I think that's what's going to happen to Max Pentecost. Now that they have Reese McGuire, who they got in that Francisco Liriano trade, I think that will help them where they don't have to count on Max Pentecost as a catcher. They have Reese McGuire, who's a completely different kind of player. Very different. A glove-first <laughs> guy who's a contact bat who has shown very little power in pro ball. That's another reason why he wasn't in their top ten. JJ, I think this is a good top ten. I think this is a robust top ten. I,
1: the, the, we even talked about, you know, and Bo Bichette is a guy who— Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette. Bo number, Bichette where? <laughs> at number eight is a guy that we both love. Yes. I mean, like and, the, we, and we love partly because we've talked to a whole lot of guys— who love Mo Bichette.
0: He and yet a- he was a second round pick. Right, and I, w- I in some iterations of this list he was as high as four. I wound up putting him down to eight. So I think that, I honestly think there are eight players in their top ten who could be in the top one hundred. I think ultimately they might have as few as three or four or five. Like Richard Durena, to me is a top hundred guy. He just missed the Florida State League top ten, uh, top twenty. I do have. Very mixed reports on Richard Urena. Some guys see him as a bag of fives in the tools. Others are like, no, no, I've seen the pluses. They're just not consistent. So to me, how much impact? Is he going to be a, a solid big league player or is he, and who plays shortstop? Is he going to be an above average player but has to go to second base? Or is he just going to be an okay hitter who's an okay shortstop? You know, it's a, I think there's a wide range of, of value in Richard Urena. But, but I, do I, think, I do think he's a good prospect. I just don't think he's their number one.
1: I do like the thing I like with him, also, though, is as you just said, when you map out that, that's a guy who's going to be a big leaker. Because there's
0: 20 years old or 21 years old and got the double A already. Didn't have a great time in double A, but didn't get overwhelmed by it either.
1: And he can play shortstop enough that the worst case scenario you're talking about is that he's going to be able to play it enough to be a utility guy.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. So it's it's a good, robust top 10. I think it's fairly top heavy. By the Blue Jays, for all the talent they traded the last two years, are in pretty good shape with their farm system. And to me, it's a top 10 farm system because that top 10 prospects list is robust. I don't know if there's any reaches in there. I think Justin Maese is kind of a Anderson... Uh, I'm already forgetting his name. Henderson Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Type of guy. Uh, right-handed sinker baller. Um, good I, good I, pull
1: for them because that's the guy that you know, right. know, that's, yeah, you're
0: familiar with. Yeah, no, be, you're familiar with him. So, and that's their number 10 prospect. And he was just a high school draft last year and finished pretty well in low Class A. So... For all the trades that Double A made, and he was very aggressive, and, he out- and it worked out. It did work out. I don't think he emptied Not all out all of this. them, right? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Syndergaard and, and Darno for RA Dickie is, is difficult, but um, I think the Blue Jays, as I wrote in the column, their 2010 and 2011 drafts, the philosophy that Double A had, where they really just tripled the size of their scouting department, into the old rules, spent a lot of money, and decided we're going to have more looks and better looks. Than everybody else, that was their market inefficiency, worked for them. They found great talent and back-to-back drafts. Great drafts. And yeah. uh, and it worked. And they traded a lot of those guys. And don't forget their international was very productive at that time as well. But it worked. They traded a lot of those prospects for big league roster help. And uh, we'll see if they can keep extending their windows. So we're going to wrap up here on Facebook Live. But we'll keep on podcasting here at Baseball America and BaseballAmerica.com. Thanks for joining us here on Facebook. We're going to come back here on the Baseball America podcast. We broke there to end our Facebook Live but, JJ, uh, you, you mentioned Bo Bichette real quick. Bo Bichette in the top 100, it's a pretty interesting question because uh, I don't know how much to make of what he did in the GCL because he went to the GCL and was like, Psh, this level is not, this level is beneath me. I'm too good for this. Ow, my appendix didn't even have surgery. He's My like, awesomeness will absorb the toxins. <laughs> that's it. That was really weird. That's straight from the Bichette's mouth. Um, so, this guy was very divisive. I ask people about it. People definitely, the scouts I talk to definitely think that his brother's sins were visited upon him. Not sins, but and that his brother's older brother's struggles in the Yankees organization. Who, let's do remember, was great at the lower levels. He was really well, he was only no only the in the Gulf Coast League. He was great in the Gulf Coast he League. He dominated the GCL, yeah. much like his brother. Absolutely. And Dante Jr.'s you know was in double A this year, but he's really not a impact guy anymore. He's kind of an organizational soldier right now in the, Red, in the Yankees organization. So does that – I hear that affected Bo's draft position, but, man, if you redraft well, it, I think Bo Bichette goes a lot higher.
1: But this is where I think it's going to be tough for us to get him in the 100 this year because we do – we try to have some consistency. Like, we don't try to get too overheated over the first half season. Right. Especially, as you said, when a guy who missed time – he played 27
0: games, I think it was.
1: And when Bo Bichette was in the draft, you could find guys who really liked him, but there was also concerns, significant concerns. One was, okay, where is he going to play? Right. And the other was,
0: answer right now is still not sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that has not been answered. And the other was is, okay, how good is the bat?
0: Yeah. Well, in the Gulf Coast League, it was 22 games, so he played a third of the schedule, and he finished second in RBIs, and though RBIs is a counting stat, and it's not a ratio stat, also, and it's and team he, dependent. And he hit four twenty-seven, but he hit four twenty-seven, and so he had thirty-five hits, and fifteen of them were for extra bases. So he stung the baseball while he was there. He impacted the baseball um, in a way that other guys didn't do in that league. So it's a uh, hmm. it was a very encouraging start. Ultimately, I didn't want to overreact to and again, yeah, I don't think games. I, the, you don't
1: want to overreact, and also uh, the. You don't want to throw away this guy, f- was sitting there pretty much for a good bit of the second round, just waiting and waiting yep. and waiting. Yep, you, you don't throw that away yet. Uh, I right. again, now if he comes out and does the same thing in the Midwest League next year, I think he's a slam dunk top under guy.
0: I, I agree, and I, I think he still might be on some back of the hundred. Uh, lists uh, in, in our office internally. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with them. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all the Blue Jays guys. Because <laughs> um, there's some safer bets than Connor well, Green. And
1: let's just, I mean, looking big picture, this is a year, this is going to be a very interesting top 100 because... Wide open. It is very wide open. There are guys who you look at and you right away go, yeah, that's an easy top 100 guy. That's an easy top 25 guy. We've Got a pretty good easy top 25 guys. And once you get past that this year... I mean, we're sitting there, you know, again, just yeah. in the process. I'm, I'm working on the Astros list, and the Astros list, you're looking at guys who are 8 and 9, and I'm like, I could see this guy top 100. Right. But again, I could see few many fewer guys. The Braves list is going to be the craziest thing. When we're, you know, we're already in the process because we're working on the handbook and all, and the Braves list is something where... Okay, is this guy a top hundred guy? And then you're talking about is this guy a top hundred guy? Well, do we need to reorder this because I yeah. think this guy could be a top hundred guy and he's behind these five guys. And...
0: It's almost like uh, you know, when you when they talk about NCAA tournaments and they go into uh, you know when they talk about selections and they're like, well, we didn't we don't look at the conference they're in and you know they do, but they say they don't. Top hundred time, we're going to have to like basically ignore what organization the guy's in, which we try to. But you know we don't. It's and just we try there. To have,
1: I mean, the thing is, is we generally try to have some consistency between our top ten lists yeah. and that our top thirty lists. We don't, I shouldn't say top. Usually, it's top thirties, top right? But, but that's
0: the thing. The Braves could go. I mean, the record is nine, right? Kansas City Royals. Nine guys in the top hundred. The Braves could break that this year. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to break it. But I, again, I will say that there are eight guys on the Blue Jays list who I could see being in the top hundred. I like TJ Zoic. I like Raddi I could see. If eight Blue Jays guys went up at the top 100, I'd be like, yeah, that's possible. I don't think it'll happen, I think, but I think, I think it's six possible. Is
1: probably there. I think six is probably their ceiling. The only reason I say that is T.J. like good as he is, he's on that, that, that first-year college pitcher. It's like, okay, where does that line get drawn? Right. And I think he probably ends up on the other side of that line.
0: I think that's probably true. I will say that last year, the 2015 college draft is so weak. When the fourth overall pick, Dylan Tate from last year's draft, not a top 100 guy this year. So. Oh, like, go further
1: than that. The top three guys in last year's draft, the last, in the 2015 college draft, we talked about a little bit of this on the White Sox podcast, talking Carson Fulmer.
0: Yeah, is which Carson of, Fulmer a top 100 guy? Mm, no. Not
1: bloody likely. Which, which of those guys right now? Tate, Fulmer, and who's the third guy? It's another reliever. Because uh, uh, Caprillion oh. is right now. The best guy. And he made three starts last year. Yes. Caprillian missed most of the year with elbow, if I remember right, it was elbow. Yes. Didn't have surgery. Didn't have surgery and did return. He's in the AFL. But uh that's uh that's concerning. Uh right. Phil yeah.
0: Bickford might be it was a junior college guy, might be a reliever. We don't has already been traded. But, I mean it was not a good Walker Bueller has a barely pitched Tommy John surgery. I mean, John, John Harris, Harris is
1: a back end guy on this Blue Jays list. Carl
0: Funkhouser didn't even sign, but is on the top 10 with the Tigers this year. I mean, so I don't think I, mean, I missed anybody, is, JJ. I mean, Dylan. Tyler, Tyler J. Oh, Tyler J. That That's what I missed. So basically, your top, your
1: top three college pitchers last year, or are 2015, are three guys who, all of them, they'll make noise that they're starters. But then if you, you know, pump if, them full of sodium pentothal, it's like, oh, he's probably a reliever. The
0: thing is, all three of those guys could be impact relievers. I'm not saying they're going to be Andrew Miller, but if Tyler J was an Andrew Miller-esque reliever, it would not shock me at all. The slider's really good. He's an excellent athlete. He okay. throws hard. He could be that kind of guy, that moment of truth, but multi-inning left-handed guy. And Andrew Miller threw, what, 75, 80 innings this year in the regular season?
1: But flip it at the same time when you talk about how bad this college draft is for pitching, at the same time, let's take a White Sox. We had Carson Fulmer. This year they took Zach Birdie. Which guy with those two has more of a chance to be the impact reliever?
0: I would say Zach Birdie, but Big I wrist. do. But I, well, not just that. I mean, his arm is so stinking fast, JJ. It's too fast for him. I mean, we're not on Facebook Live anymore, but I mean, like, remember how he lined up with his left foot as he came set, pointing at the shortstop. To, to do, He overcompensates to stay closed. You're talking about he
1: overcompensates to compensate for the sins of his brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that too. I mean,
0: so I just who, who, don't know. His brother
1: who, I mean, coming out was many of the same things that we talked about with Zach. Yeah. And it was concerning that he basically missed the entire year with a bone bruise.
0: Yeah, I mean, he almost throws too hard. And Zach Birdie might almost throw too hard. But he also... <laughs> Uh, when I've seen, but I saw him awfully but good. The thing about it, is I just didn't see him because UCS Santa Barbara is up on TV. and but my, my faithful change
1: changeup. My point being, though, is, is that when you look at Zach Bursey versus right. Carson Fulmer, Zach Burdy, you are not projecting at all. It is just, can we take this? Can we put this in yeah. the big leagues? And can you throw strikes with it?
0: It also goes back to the whole industry, though. John Harris, we thought could go as high as ten in last year's draft. And he comes out this year as the 29th overall pick last year by the Blue Jays, I believe a, it was.
1: And could not have had, let's be honest, a more horrendous first half season.
0: Oh, yeah, in Vancouver he was brutal. But this year he was perfectly – he was what we thought he – he crowned him. He was Dennis Green. He is who we thought you, he you was. You don't feel great about it, but at the same time, he, he did what you
1: expected him to do.
0: 130 innings in his pro debut in his first full season – didn't give up a lot of walks, only 38 walks, and only three home runs allowed, and he didn't strike a lot of guys out. <laughs> that
1: 5.2 K per nine in Dunedin in eight starts yes. is a little bit like, ah.
0: yes. I mean, like, and he's still listed as 6'4, 175. And every time you talk to somebody about him, the first thing they say is, well, he's kind of thin. He's got to get stronger. So they, his delivery's cleaner this year, better direction to the plate, kept the ball down, really went pitch downhill better. But what's he gonna be? So it really he looks is the at the whole industry. He's gonna be a back
1: end starter you're hoping for.
0: Right. But I think he's a four. Because I do think there's room for projection there, room for him to get right. better. I don't consign him to the five right. five, six starter bin. Not yet. But he is a starter. If he's a if he's a big leaguer, he's a starter. But he went 20 picks behind Tyler J. Who everybody knew, maybe he could start, but we know he could be an impact reliever. So it just kind of goes into what we talked about in the postseason. The draft was kind of leading ahead where all those power arms who could have been relievers, Jay Tate, Fulmer, all those guys had success in college baseball primarily as relievers. None T- of Jay them. Jay made like two starts. None Fulmer of them had- like start did start for one full season. Tate did for one, I would say three quarters of a season because UC Santa Barbara's season is just was just shorter than Vandy's because of no playoffs, no postseason. No deep postseason run.
1: But, yes, we had a 2015 class that the top three college pitchers taken. None of them had had two full seasons of college baseball as starters.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, like, Tate basically pitched uh, one, year as a real, one year as a token, uh barely pitched at all in the, for the Gauchos. Closer as a sophomore and starter as a junior. Fulmer, you know, reliever as a freshman. Reliever half a year as a sophomore and then starter. I mean, uh, and everyone knew with that delivery, it's like, whew. That is not a starter delivery because I mean it couldn't be, but it wasn't a starter well, delivery. So. It's
1: not a starter delivery, and he's not someone where you said, "Well, but he is six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds." Right.
0: Where you know what?
1: Maybe right. he's strong enough.
0: Right. The, no. blue, the other thing about the Blue Jays list is I think uh, you have guys like Pentecost, who's a high draft, who's not in their top ten. Reese McGuire's is not in their top ten. Harold Ramirez is not in their top ten. Which, by the way,
1: when we talk about heists of trades, and we said this at the time, yeah. I do not a great trade for the Blue Jays. I
0: like that trade for the Blue Jets. Hey, season. we'll
1: take your pitcher that you're unhappy with and you have some money you owe, too. Right. As long as you throw in some guys who have some use for us, too.
0: And then how about like their two futures gamers, Perdomo and Francisco Rios. Both those guys are solid. Perdomo was, I think, either led or second in the Midwest League in strikeouts. Neither one of those guys are in their top ten because and a lot of questions about the consistency of Perdomo this- stuff. And Rios, So those are, there is a Ryan Barucki, who had a disastrous start in the Florida State League, but that was really just to get him in warm weather when he got the Midwest League is actual where he should have been. Really good change up and some pitchability. But, so they do have some pitching depth. And
1: this is impressive when you consider that this is a team that two years ago was looking everywhere and going, yeah, we'll throw him in, we'll throw him in, we'll throw right. him in. I mean, they traded – they didn't trade one or two guys in their right. push. They traded a, a farm system of pitching.
0: They traded like 11 guys from their 2011 uh, international class. I mean, a ton of – uh, Depth from that international class plus, uh, you know, again, I mean, Franklin Barreto from that international class, a guy who's a number one uh, prospect more than likely was Daniel last Norris. year. Daniel Norris, Max Boyd, uh, not Matt, Matt Boyd. Um, and don't I'm forget trying to think who first the first round picture. pick. Uh, well, Ken
1: No, And then uh, uh, ECU. Uh, oh, yeah, Jeff Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman. So they made aggressive I mean, trades.
0: Like, right. Jeff
1: Hoffman would be, I mean, again, if you, if you said that they held on to all these guys and, hey, Again, it didn't work out in the end for them.
0: In terms of winning a World Series. In terms of winning a World
1: Series. But they had a two-year run here where they were right there right. to do it.
0: And they still have prospects. So to me, I think it does kind of validate a lot of what the previous regime was doing. And again, they weren't. I don't think those guys were pushed out or fired because of what they did. I just think that ownership chose Mark Shapiro to be this team president. And he's bringing in his guys. And he has he's just these things a little bit differently than the way Alex Anthopoulos and his crew and did. And
1: also, just from a human standpoint, if you're AA and you've essentially, I know that there have been some of the same structure, but you feel like that what you did worked, it's very difficult to then say, okay, now I'm essentially going to take a step back right. and stay
0: here. Right. You yeah. kind of want you want you want to run that again, and you want to be told, "Hey, what you did worked. Good job. Keep doing it." And I don't think that's what the message that he got. So um, I, I don't. I just I, I think it's important to reiterate to Blue Jays fans. I don't think those guys were pushed out because they screwed up. No, I doesn't that, and that doesn't even mean that Mark Shapiro won't do a good job and Ross Atkins will not do a good job. I think mean, they will. I think mean, there's. A lot of things in Ross Atkins background that give you should give you confidence about him as a general manager he did a little bit of everything in Cleveland uh, farm director international scouting uh, he's been a player development side he's done a little bit of all of it um, and scouting and player development I think he's well suited to be a general manager JJ but they are going to do things differently than they did before so uh, just like a good way to wrap up yep. with the blue Jays we'll come back again tomorrow with more American League East, we've got to talk Yankees we've got to talk Orioles we've got to talk Red sox so Plenty more to come. Uh, daily podcast here at Baseball America and baseballamerica.com. Until tomorrow, so long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit baseballamerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.